0: All right, welcome back in another edition of the Damn Podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com. Uh, back once again. Civil War Week is upon us. Oregon State getting ready to head to Eugene. And we actually have a special guest today, yet again. I believe this is the third time this year. Uh, former Oregon State Beaver himself, writer, radio host, and now working with me as a co host at 1080 The Fan. Uh, On Dusty and Cam in the Morning is Alex Crawford, who's going to be joining us for this podcast.
1: When you say former Oregon State Beaver, it sounds like I played there, which I like, but I didn't. I say that all the time about myself. It always throws people off. I guess it's like the beaver thing.
0: Like, I guess we're all former Oregon State Beavers of different eras. Well, and Angie's joining us via phone. She couldn't make it in today. How you doing, Angie?
2: I'm good. How are you guys? Uh,
0: I'm doing okay. It was, um, I had an interesting week for those. No doubt. Very interesting week, and, and I I feel like we have a lot to go to today. Like there really is a ton of actual legitimate things we should be caring about, and I want to get to that. I want the pod mainly to be about that. Uh, the coaching search stuff, which you and 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 your and your reporters have been all over, they're still all over it right now. Um, we'll get to that. I want to ask a question about another reporter who put out some reports about coaching stuff. Angie has maybe a surprise name to throw out to some people. Oh. Maybe we get to the Civil War game itself a little bit. Um, does
2: anybody care about the Civil War? I mean, besides being Civil War,
0: no, I, I care. I, I mean, really... I'll be
1: there. I care. I mean, it's the Civil like. I it's a. I won't. I won't be there, but it's
0: appointment viewing for me, right? The spread's thirty points though. It started at twenty-five. It started at twenty. <laughs> oh, see, <laughs> yeah. So it didn't used to be that yeah. big. Yeah, but everybody saw it and was like, okay, that's not enough. It needs to be a in that. Just so- one last
1: chance to go haul in, you know.
0: Okay, you know what? We'll get to that at the end, all right? Okay, thank you. Do you you. care about the Civil War? Um, We actually didn't have time. We didn't tweet out any damn questions. This is Thanksgiving week, so it's kind of a weird schedule for all of us, and we just thought Tuesday was the best day. It worked for everybody's schedule. So uh, I'll just get into this. Um, So I tweeted. I went to the Arizona State game. I had a great time. Uh, I had club seats, and I had never really experienced a game in club level. That's great. Highly recommend you spending a couple bucks for that experience, I hit some tailgates, I shook some hands, I kissed some babies, I got drunk. I had a good time. I really did. And then the game started, and it went downhill rather quickly. Um, I haven't been sobered up that quick in a long time. Arizona State being up 30 to nothing in the second quarter, you'll do that to you. So that happens, and me and my buddy that went down, we said, hey, you know what, let's just go. They're not coming back. It was freezing cold. It was foggy. It was kind of a miserable setting. So we decided to leave. And during a tailgate, I I was told a couple different things and talking to some people that um, I consider to have in the know or at least people I trust or people that I think have an understanding of what's going on. And we shared stories. We talked about the coaching search. They gave me their dream scenarios, et cetera. And on my way home, I tweeted, and let me find this tweet exact. I don't – I want to quote this almost exactly. I think I basically tweeted, for what it's worth – Uh, Heard a crazy, maybe I said crazy, story about Anderson and why he left and it makes, or why he left and left the money and it makes a ton of sense. I wonder if a reporter is going to dig in and report it. That was the tweet. And I turn my phone off, or not turn it off, but I close my phone. I'm talking to my buddy. And 15 minutes later, I go to see if I missed anything Oregon State or any college football related. I make the mistake of clicking my mentions and it then turns into an S storm. And immediately, basically the whole rest of that day and even early Sunday, I had people berating me, asking me, begging me, frustrated with me about what I tweeted. And this is very simple. What I was told was not something that I was comfortable enough saying. So I tweeted what I tweeted basically on the premise of man- of thinking this, this was the thinking behind the tweet. The rumors with Gary Anderson continue to fly and it is employee to fan level. Everybody is talking about this. This is the story. This is why he left. This is why he came to his conclusion. So when I tweeted what I tweeted, that was my thought. And the person that told me this story, I trust a lot. I do. It's a good person. Um, and I was just, I was blown away. Cause I was like, wow, didn't see that coming. And it's funny to me, the reaction of this tweet, because one, I never did mention in that tweet, whether it was positive or negative, whether I was smearing Gary Anderson's name or not, never once. And the other part of the tweet that people are losing sight of, I'm not a reporter. I'm not. I pass along tidbits here and there. Angie's a reporter. Angie covers Oregon State with Beaver Blitz, does an exceptional job of it. Kerry Eggers is a reporter. I haven't been a reporter in five years. My job is a radio host. What goes into that has to do with maybe passing along a blurb, but also giving an opinion and reacting to what I see and what I read. That's what my job is. By definition, I am paid to do that. I'm not paid to tweet. I'm not paid to tweet eight different things about one story. Reporters do that. I've never done that. You can go check my history. I don't do that. So everybody that was very, like people were yelling at me because I wouldn't tell them. Tell us now. Report it now. That's not my job. That's not... on. And even if I had the tidbits and the information, I'm not sharing it on Twitter, you nincompoops. I'm going to talk about it on this podcast. I'm going to talk about it on the radio show. Or I'm going to find a blog to create. I don't even write. I don't. I don't like writing. I love reading. I don't like writing. I like to talk. That's what I'm paid to do. I'm not paid by Twitter. I'm not paid because you follow me... And the information you want doesn't come out right when you want it. That's not how I operate. I never have and I never will. So I'm sorry. If you feel that I'm being irresponsible, simply do this. It's not hard. Click unfollow. It's really that simple. Twitter was made to be that simple for people. And, you know, it was going on all day. I was teaching my kids some stuff, watching some late college football, and it just would not stop. Like, I have tweet decks, so you see the mentions just keep rolling in. And eventually I I talked to Crawford and I talked to Angie and I talked to another friend in the industry. hasn't been in a while, but I text them and I picked their brains. I said, Hey, how did, how did this come out to you? And you know what? They can say what they want to say on this podcast here, but I I maintain what I tweeted. I'm not apologizing for anything. I know some people are coming to this podcast looking for an apology. I have none. I'm going to, I'm going to refrain myself from calling out certain individuals But the way these people reacted was idiotic. It was stupid to just jump on the idiotic train. And I couldn't disagree with you more. The people saying, well, he has absolutely nothing. Do I have absolutely nothing? No, I wouldn't say I have absolutely nothing. But whether what I heard was true 100% or not, Angie can speak to that. And we talked about that a little bit. Um, I think the Anderson stuff is going to come out to light 100% once the season's done. Angie has mentioned that on this podcast before as well. And I I just, I'm blown away the reaction. And it's funny because it's the same five people. The same five people that call out all these other media members for the way they act, you're the worst fan. I had somebody tell me I'm no longer part of Beaver Nation or I shouldn't be because of that. Get out of here. You're a joke. You are the definition of the worst possible fan, in my opinion. You're the person that hates anything negative relating to Oregon State and has to be roses and sunshine all day. That's not life, buddy. Get into the real world, get off Twitter, and start living. So I'm sorry if you took my tweet the wrong way. I'm sorry if you think that's irresponsible. I have a simple answer. Don't follow me on Twitter, which some of these people don't. And don't listen to my stuff and don't follow me. I have no problem with that. I I, I like people and I don't like people. That's life. Um, But that's the gist of it. You can take that tweet however you wanted. I know what I meant when I tweeted it. I haven't deleted it, nor will I. I stand by that. So it is what it is. I also found out on Twitter, and this is the funny thing of that. I found out on Twitter what people listen to my radio show and know what I do for a living and what people follow me because my name's been tagged in Oregon State stuff. I had—I can't tell you how many Beaver fans responded to me telling me to write, report it. You're a journalist. You're a journalist. <laughs> Report it. I don't write. Do you know what I do for a living, <laughs> or do you just follow me because you saw my name tag with ANG's or Oregon State? And for those people, get a life. Read a bio. Find out who people are before you follow That's my only advice. Um, I think I addressed everything I wanted to address in that. Let me pick up the mic. You dropped it. Well, I know. Yeah. I mean, look. See, that... I think. Go ahead.
2: Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was... This is such an interesting thing because. People want Twitter and want us, no matter what part of the media we're in, to report everything. They want to know every gory detail of everything, and I, I get that from our society of wanting to see every car wreck or think it's our right to know every detail, but at the end of the day, this is a personal matter. Um, there's a lot of rumors out there why Gary Anderson left and didn't take the money. I'm sure it will come out, but again, it's, it's a personal matter at this point. If he wanted people to know, it would come out.
0: And that's, to me, it, it was another, like, I. some of these responses, actually a lot of the responses, just to let you know, like, my personality. Um, I love the people, by the way, that send the questions, they listen to the podcast, and then they were also upset with me. It's like, okay, I don't I don't understand you. Like, as an individual, I don't understand the frustration here. Um, people say, call me irresponsible, this is BS. Like, come on, get a, get a grip for a second, read the tweet over, and if you don't know my personality, that's fine, and maybe it reads poorly to you but I can't change that. Uh, My personality type, again, I maintained the tweet, and it just reaffirmed as I got a laugh at most of these responses, people telling me uh, I should lose my job. Um, I liked the people that called out radio, told me my job was a dying profession when actually radio couldn't be stronger right now. Uh, I, I just, I loved everything. I thought it was all, I really was chuckling at some of the things that were being tweeted, and I'm sure the people didn't mean for me to be laughing. It just reaffirmed my my strong opinion, the people that call out and wonder why the Kardashians are good or popular. You're the example. You love the dirt. You live for the dirt, the juice, the stuff that you don't know. Like the people that were mad at me were mad because they didn't hear what I heard and they wanted to know now, you know, the way you go about doing something like this in this industry, they don't teach you it. They just don't. Um, so but you have you,
2: to be careful. You, you do. Very careful.
0: You do have to be careful. And you know what? Here's the thing. I, I reread that tweet three different times and I actually had coworkers here, people that sell and they're like, you know, they're not radio hosts. They're people that are just regular fans like, like everybody else. They read the tweet and they were stunned. I came in Monday and they're like, dude, why are people so upset with you? And I go, I don't know. Did you read the tweet? And he goes, yeah, I, di- I didn't think that it was anything. Dude, people were like
1: figuratively, and that's because of the internet. I don't think we see it too much literally anymore, but outside of your house with pitchforks and torches ready to, you know, tar and feather you over this tweet, which I, I know that this exists in every fan base, but this is a Beavers. Uh, podcast and I'm a big Beaver fan obviously I follow the Beavers very closely and I see this a lot of Beaver fans on Twitter or maybe it's just a select few I don't know but but an embarrassing there's an embarrassing way to be a fan and I see a lot of little Beaver fans with this little brother I was gonna say little Beaver fans but there's a lot of Beaver fans with this little brother mentality and just kind of always wanting to be angry at everyone in the media about the beeves. and it pisses me off as someone in the media who is Like, unashamedly, a homer for Oregon State. Like, I did a video earlier this year where I was like, they're going to go nine and three, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I take a lot of crap for that. And a lot of people roasting me on Twitter for that, which is fine. I just don't understand this, like, negative Beaver fan. Like, it's it's just, I don't know if it's just part of Beaver's culture or what because of all the losing seasons, but this negativity that, like, permeates a lot of Beaver fans on the internet. And maybe that's just people in general on the internet. There's a lot of negativity uh, is just. I don't know. I'm just sick of it. I don't really know what else to say except for that. I saw Beaver fans reacting the way they did, and since it's Civil War week, I'll say that's something I would rather see out of a Duck fan when
0: it's your own fan base that you're also a fan of. You're like, I don't want to get lumped in with those people. Well, well real quick, Angie, because um, I, I don't want to. I don't want to do the whole pot on this. I want to move on because you actually have really good information. I want to talk about the coaching search. That's something I actually care about is the coaching search. Um, one, of the, one final kind of thought I had, too, in, in thinking about this and the way we go about talking about it on the podcast, I, I think the internet, the internet always breeds anger. Like, the internet, I've actually met somebody who has trolled me. Uh, somebody told me literally to effing die, and then I met them the next day. Oh, wow. They go, oh, oh hey, wow. I'm, I'm so-and-so on Twitter, and, and, I, and I go, oh, you tweeted me yesterday to effing die. And they, they laughed and they go, yeah, man, just sometimes you get on the internet and you know how it can be. I've discovered this. I really do believe the internet breeds anger and it breeds an area where people, how many people tweeted me that their name's not on their Twitter account, their picture's not on their Twitter account, their information's not on their Twitter account. My name is Brandon Sprague. I co-host 1080 The Fan noon to three. I work on 700 Southwest Bancroft Boulevard in Portland, Oregon. And I'm going to be at the Oregon-Oregon State game, and I'll be at the Oregon game, Oregon State games mainly all year in tailgate space 1060. If you want to have a conversation with me and you think I did something wrong, come talk to me like a real human being. Don't sit on your keyboard, act tough, and then be an entirely different person in real life. There's too many Oregon State fans are that way. And that's what I appreciate with people that I have contact with is I felt great going, you know what? I didn't do anything wrong. And actual level-headed people saw it for what it was. And the people who are insane, who I think are obsessed to a point where it's unhealthy, probably shouldn't be on things like Twitter as much as they are. Those people are not the norm. <laughs> I, mean, you should, I mean, I I mean, yeah, I think that there are some people, I was checking my
1: Instagram too much recently. I, I logged out I'm taking a, a, a cleanse because I knew it was causing me to be a little bit unhealthy and, and, and like look at like ex girlfriend pages and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And, and <laughs> stuff. And so, now, so I know that there's Beaver fans out there who have the same problem with Oregon State on Twitter. <laughs> okay. And let me tell you, it's nice to take a break. I just want to say one thing and then I'll let Angie, our real reporter, talk. Yeah. But one thing is that it's funny because a lot of these B fans, Brandon, that are like spill the personal details of Coach A's life are the Save B fans that were like, I can't believe the Oregonian reported the Luke Heimlich stuff. That <laughs> should have never back. been told. Talked about that's personal, and then they sit back there and they're like,
0: There's "The mic drop." man. Right hey, that's the mic. Drop dish right the there.
1: dirt on Coach Anderson's oh, personal God. life, but look, that, that reporter, like <laughs> Danny Moran, should be fired. You know, right? Like, I just that's the same Beaver fan. It's literally the same I fan know. and the same mentality. So it's like, it's uh, uh, well, I don't know what you want,
0: and 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 I, I promise this will be the last thing I say, Angie, <laughs> and then we will we will move on. Okay, I'm sorry. I know I got you on the phone, and you're just kind of sitting like, like golly. Um, I I thought this was the most mind-blowing part of all of the exchange, there was some rando and I don't know who they are. They don't have a real picture. They have some long username. They were tweeting me to spill the beans about Anderson with a blank problem. He's got a blank. He's got this problem. Everybody knows about it. He tweeted like three different times and then that set off a whole other chain and somehow, in the midst of this, I have not responded for hours. (laughs) I am now responsible because some rando then fills in a blank of saying this Coach Anderson has a problem with this. And I'm I'm just blown away. How can you be that dumb? How can you as a functional human being blame me for somebody else accusing Anderson of being this or that? I never said that. I never retweeted or condoned it. That's that individual. Welcome to the internet, bro. But internet, you got these people that beep, boop, beep, boop. Well, if Brandon would have never started it, he wouldn't have accused him. It's like, <laughs> I didn't tell anybody to chime in with their best guess of addiction problems. That wasn't my intent, nor did the tweet read that way. So you have a great point. Your mic drop point of the same one. Yeah, you're so right on the Heimlich stuff. I couldn't that agree was, that more. Was perfect. Um, and that's where I'm gonna leave it. If you don't like what I had to say there, you don't like my explanation, you think I did this for 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 ratings or whatever, I think you're way over the moon. If I really wanted to play this up, I would have tweeted Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh I of this or Monday or Tuesday of today. I didn't. I let it die. Sunday I moved on, I moved on with my life. I don't care. If you don't like it, you can tweet me all you want. I don't really care. I actually get a kick out of the fact that you waste time in your life to tell me something about me that I don't give two Fs about. So if you don't like it, move on. Don't listen to the pod anymore. Unfollow me, whatever you want to do. If you think I handled this wrong and you don't follow me and you're an absolute troll, good riddance to you. You probably live a miserable life anyway. And now we move on to the important stuff. The podcast that I want to focus on. (laughs) And that is the coaching search. And Angie, I want you to fill the folks in on the coaching search and what you know.
2: Oh my gosh, it's been it's really really heating up right now. I know you guys have heard heard a lot too. Um, you know, last week after we taped the pod last Wednesday, I got some pretty good information from a source totally outside of Oregon State, so um, down in Los Angeles, who told me that uh, Bronco Mendenhall was the guy that they basically had this verbal agreement. You know, so we have this thing called the water cooler. It's where all the rumors are going right now in the lodge. So that laid there, of course, somebody stole it from the lodge and posted it elsewhere, like within five minutes. But um, that that is there. Bronco now has publicly come out and said he is not a candidate. Loves Virginia. So mm-hmm. for what it's worth, is it coach speak? Is it smokescreen? I don't know. But that was a legitimate good source. Um, Bo Baldwin is still very much in play and. Ken Norton Jr., who is the defensive coordinator for the Raiders, was just let go today. Yep. That name was on the initial list I heard uh, that uh, Scott Barnes was looking at. And uh, he was just fired today. And we actually have a reporter that is at Corvallis Airport looking to see who gets off a plane as a plane just flew in, a private jet flew in to Corvallis from Oakland. Is it Bo Baldwin? Is it Justin Wilcox? Is it wife? Is it just some random business or is
0: it Norton? <laughs> I love jet watch. It's my favorite part. I of do too. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> and nobody does a greater job at that than you, Angie, of, of just connecting where they're coming from and, and when they arrive, I want to go to the Bronco thing real quick. Uh, before we, we, uh, talk about some of the other names there. Let's pretend Bronco is still in play. Let's, let's pretend. I know that I saw the comments, I saw the quotes, um, not not to, that I need to confirm anything Angie says, because to me it's it's golden, but at, at that same tailgate that they were talking about, Anderson, we talked about coaching hires, somebody had mentioned that Bronco's name was brought up, and maybe it was somebody that saw it on Blitz. Um, How would that go over with fans? Is that an exciting hire? Is that a meh hire, or are people a little, I don't know, a little frustrated by a Bronco-Mendenhall hire? You know, initially, when I first
2: posted it in the lodge, people were a little meh about it, right? And now that it's kind of played out, people are like, "Well, wow, you know, he's done done some good things in Virginia in two years. They're both el- eligible. Um, you know, I think people are would be kind of excited." Now, I've talked to some former players who are not excited by that. What reason? I, I think that they don't like his personality.
0: Mm. Yeah, I've heard he's A little hard
2: ass. Yeah, you know.
0: Uh, I don't know if I've maybe I've said this on the pod or maybe I've I've told you, Angie. But if I have, uh, apologies. I remember talking about Menenhall because somebody had thrown his name out there and, and somebody had mentioned that when BYU lost Menenhall to Virginia, there were prominent BYU boosters that were really happy to see him go because of what you just mentioned, the attitude and kind of the way things were, were going relationship wise.
2: You know, I I know he's really close to Gary Anderson, so you know, do you do you want to cut complete ties there? You know, that's what Scott Barnes has to figure out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, like, Mendenhall doesn't excite me, but then I look at his resume, and I'm like, huh, pretty good at BYU, which it's is yeah. a hard place to coach. Virginia's it's, bowl eligible this year. Yeah, so it's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I'm... I'm just kind of like a shrug, like, I guess, like I've heard the same things about like him being a hard-ass. He, he doesn't excite me necessarily the way some other names, and I haven't been following the search. I mean, I still love like pie-in-the-sky uh, scenarios, like, oh, maybe we could still get Ken Niamatololo from Navy, even though I haven't— I don't think that's out of the realm I yet. I haven't seen—I don't know, like, is that out of the realm yet, Angie? Have you seen his name at all on any of your reporting
0: searches?
2: I haven't, but that makes me wonder a lot if he's if he's in the mix, mm-hmm. right? This, this search
0: has been so silent. Yeah. Um, one thing I, you know, we talked about reporting. The one thing I would pass along to is, is just I know people within the athletic department have have poked and prodded around a little bit on this, and it he is as buttoned up on this search as possible. Who, co- Barnes. Barnes. Yeah. He, Barnes. And maybe somebody like Angie breaks this with an airport view of, hey, that's Bo Baldwin. Oh, hey, he's shaking hands and putting beaver gear on. Maybe that happens. But if it doesn't, I'm not going to be stunned at all. If we get a, an email slash tweet, congr- welcome coach, whoever, the new head coach of Oregon State football. Mendenhall, I want to go back to Mendenhall real quick. Mendenhall is a very consistent guy. Um, you, you point out his resume. Virginia wasn't very good last year, and now they're a bowl team this year. BYU, he had some success. I think if you are vanilla, somebody told me in the media industry a long time ago, when you get into media, there are one of two ways that you want. Your goal is to be one of two things. You want to be loved or you want to be hated? When you are meh, vanilla, like what do you think Alex Robert? I don't know. He's good, but he's not great and not bad, but he's done a like him. I, I yeah, I'd rather have haters. You'd want to be hated or loved. I think Mendenhall falls into the vanilla bean spectrum. But does that – so
1: you're saying that in media you want to be one or the other. Like, But what about coaches? I like. I actually
0: think it's exciting if, we, if it's Jonathan Smith, for example. Angie and I have differed on Smith a little bit. Okay. If it's Jonathan Smith – I think you're going to have a fair amount of people that say, no, not sexy and not excited. And I think you're going to have other people that are like, yes, former Beeve has the Peterson system, going to hire the right guys. He knows he wants some Beavers in the staff. Let's go do it. He's ready for his opportunity. So, He's so back in the Corvallis. The
2: thing I've heard is Erickson is campaigning big time, supposedly. Three, he wants like a three-year deal with Jonathan Smith as his coach-in-waiting.
0: Do you – okay, so <clears> – <throat>
2: I don't see
0: it happening. Is that bad that that gets, that gets me excited in a weird way? <laughs> no, I don't think it's bad. Um, would Smith leave Washington for that gig, for that opportunity, for well, that? rumors
2: in Seattle is that he's
0: going to be fired. What? Really? Yeah. Okay. So, I I mean, I know their offense has struggled this year. Um, my problem with offensive coordinators is sometimes, like, like take McGiven, right? McGiven who offense? it's not like they've blown the doors off, but post Gary Anderson, it just feels like the offense is better. Yeah. I, I think sometimes these OCs are beholden to performances of 20 year old kids. Jake Browning yeah. has not been great this year. Is that Jonathan Smith's fault? Is it's, I, I it's always, it's tough. Is that a fireable offense? You know, it's tough to disseminate where you place blame sometimes in football. That's all I'm saying. Um, not to defend Smith too much here. Maybe he is not a very good OC, but what do you think the chances are of that happening, though, Erickson with that?
2: I doubt. I, I think it's slim, very slim. Wow.
1: That does excite me in a weird, like, kind of like, let's just say F it and see what happens kind of way. Because like, on paper, to me, Dennis Erickson is extremely washed up, and he's, you know, not a guy that I would necessarily want to take over a Pac-12 coaching job when the Beavs have been sliding the way they have. But at the same time, I'm like, ooh, like, coming back like the I don't know just like maybe it's almost like the cinematic it's side of me yeah it just, it's like yes but with the Jonathan Smith thing and the whole vibe and like it just gets me excited in a, in a kind of a weird like varsity blues kind of a way so I, I don't know I, I I'm okay with that I want that more than I want Bronco Mendenhall yeah I'm with you there. I, I don't know if that's actually yeah. like the right call but that's what I'd want okay Angie I see
2: in the movie you could make
1: yeah exactly like it just gets me excited from not just for myself as a filmmaker but as a from like a cinematic standpoint like that would be a good movie um
2: <laughs> yeah it would be a great movie
0: angie i did a, a poll question for our, from our radio show page um yesterday on which candidate do you want and and i put the big three um you know the bull ball wins, the john and the smith I put Corey hall in there and then i put different one and we got almost a thousand votes well, i think we got over a thousand votes on that and it was predominantly i think it was like 60 something percent want bo baldwin
2: Bo Baldwin, yeah, that's the overriding uh, sentiment on Beaver Blitz as well.
0: So, the other thing, you know, the anti Bo Baldwin crowd would say Paul Wolf. He's Paul Wolf 2.0. Why do you think he's different than Paul Wolf?
2: I don't. See, I'm not in this whole Bo Baldwin camp.
0: Okay, so I really
2: don't know whose camp I'm in, to be honest. I was going
0: to say it doesn't. Maybe you don't have a camp then.
2: I don't because I there's been so many names that I I either don't like, I like. You know, this whole talk now with Ken Norton Jr., Mm -hmm. at first I didn't like it, but he might be able to recruit L.A. really well.
0: He coached at SC, right? He did. How was he?
2: It it comes down to what kind of staff he can build.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's something that you and I talked about over the weekend, because you mentioned that you texted me the name, and I, I was like, whoa. And... And I thought about it, and I didn't, I didn't know how to feel because he hasn't had had coaching experience yeah. yet. And it, you're so right. And I think you could say this really for all the candidates, unless it's some proven commodity. It, it really just boils down to the staff. Like, we can see a tweet. We could see a tweet right now in the middle of recording this podcast on a Tuesday at 3.45 p.m. that says, Oregon State welcomes Jonathan Smith, the new head coach, former beef back as the leader, or Bull Baldwin, welcome to Corvallis. We can all react to that. We give our two cents. Then we just, we have to wait. You play the waiting game because the bigger deal is the staff.
2: Yeah, I mean, look at Oregon. Willie Taggart was not their first choice. And when you bring in Willie Taggart, you're kind of like, huh. But his staff he put together is amazing recruiters. Yeah.
0: What about his DC?
2: At Oregon, or Levitt? Yeah. He's waiting for that K-State job.
0: You think so? Because they they had the thing come out that Snyder now. Well, yeah, Snyder doesn't want him. He wants a son to have it, and he he put up some BS story this week that he gave Levitt a linebackers coaching job to basically come over to get to know him. And Levitt's like, "I'm a DC making a million. Why would I go be a linebacker coach in Manhattan, Kansas?" <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I'm gonna pass on that one there, uh, Bill. But yeah, I mean, I, I maybe I, it, I'd imagine, and and this is me going off of what we've talked about, and then also following a little bit of Carrie Eggers, it feels like we're a week away from the decision. So maybe they already have their interviews done, and they have their pool, and Barnes sits on it and makes his decision.
2: I have heard that it's done. Now, I don't know whether that means he has his guy, and now he needs to negotiate. Uh I don't know. I mean, it could happen any time.
0: So you heard it's done. Hmm. Wow! Yeah, and
2: my my phone, my text is blowing up. So talk amongst yourself for a second. Okay, oh, okay, oh, I
0: yes. like this juicy. Let's go. Let's break some news on the damn podcast, baby. Damn right. Um, Crawford, what's up? Let's let's let Angie. She's gonna go to her text. She's gonna check some stuff right now. So she's not gonna be with us for a couple minutes. What? Do you, where are you at? What is your camp? Where Where you rein in with the? the names being thrown out, the names that are the the realistic, viable options?
1: Uh, I I mean, okay, so there was a second where I'll admit I was hauling. He got me – Coach Hall got me pumped, and I would still – Did he really get you? He got me really not, – No, I, I hate to say
0: he, but more the –
1: I, I guess, hysteria. yeah, like the, with the Stanford game on that Thursday night and the Beavs should have won that. And I was like, you know what, man? Like, and I've been a big promoter, propon, proponent of this. I said this on the last damn podcast you had me on. For me, having a minority head coach in Corvallis goes a long way, especially because of what a, a big, um, I guess a big part of Corvallis' reputation or whatever is, you know, cow town. Like, it's hard to recruit black athletes there. You know, just long-term reputation, I'm talking, at Oregon State. So that's why I would love, like, a Ken Niamatololo, who's Polynesian, who could get that kind of a pipeline, or having a Coach Hall, having a blackhead coach, I think goes a long way for Oregon State's brand, and I'm a big fan of that personally. Um, and so there was that factor. I love Coach Hall's energy. I love the way the team seemed to gel under him now they haven't won a game like we thought they might. You know, they they fell a field goal short from uh, overtime with Colorado, and then they fell a point short of Stanford. So actually, they're getting worse a little bit. Well, I know they're going back to
0: what they were. Yeah. yeah.
1: So so I'm not necessarily all in. I'm like maybe Coach Hall isn't ready for the head coaching job. Would I still like to see him retained on staff if he meshes with whoever the new head coach is? Yeah, absolutely. Um that's so that's where I'm at with that. That's where I was, I guess, is that I'm a I was really into Coach Hall. I was Like I love this guy, man. Like I'd like to see what he could do. And you know, he seems like he's working the recruiting trail and he seems like the like kids love him and he's like social media-wise and his energy, et cetera. Now that I've backed off that a little bit, um, a guy like Bo Baldwin excites me. Uh, A guy like Bronco Mendenhall doesn't really do it for me, even though I know he's a good coach, and even though I know he went to Oregon State. I'm sure he'd do a fine job. But this, I'm just talking about like personal excitement levels when I hear the name. How how does my gut react? Jonathan Smith, I'm really split on. I'm super 50-50 because... I think he's been ready for the head coaching job for a long time, but his personality, which I don't know super well, but from what I've seen and stuff is, coach. we talk about this all the yeah. time, head coach now is so much more than just X's and O's. Well,
0: it's Chris Peterson. I, I, I've said this before. No, so that's people, a good point. Peterson's not flashy. He's not sexy. He's not no, you're right. winning you're very- the press conference, right? He's all about execution and, and coaching. And he's a great coach. And, and Smith does seem to be persona non grata in Seattle right now because of the way their season's gone. They're not a playoff team. Their offense has sucked. He seems to be the guy that everybody Husky fans like, please take him, please. That's fine. That doesn't steer me away from an opinion. Um, I think the other element too, when you talked about Corey Hall, this is why I cautioned people. Like We were reacting off one playing Colorado who, Colorado at that point had kind of hit a low point. They weren't executing. They weren't playing well. They just weren't a good football team. And now they're a win away from bowl eligibility. Yeah. And then you played Stanford without Bryce Love. Yeah. And David Shaw, if you go back and watch the game, David Shaw has been a coach this year who has rotated quarterbacks actually a few different games. He refused to rotate quarterbacks. I really do believe they, they went into that game and they probably should have lost for this attitude. I think they went into the game with the mentality, we're going to do the bare minimum of what it takes we're going to win this game yeah you know you thought hey no Bryce Love that's fine That's you're not making that decision if that's Washington or Washington State Bryce not, Love is playing I don't want to recycle old
1: podcast material but who's the guy from West Virginia who who passed away who they hired oh, Bill after- Stewart yes Bill yes Stewart. I, I I I am very or I would be or I was and still am concerned about that uh the Bill Stewart effect with Corey Hall you know just the If if he had won some games, or if he, you know, won, he hasn't. So I I think that's out.
0: I don't think I think I don't think we're haul in anymore. But I I just couldn't I couldn't allow two games to suddenly make my decision like this. Totally, totally. I said it from the uh, onset, and I still believe this is the biggest hire in their program's history. You have to hit this right because this sets up your program for years to come. Absolutely. And right now you're in the basement. You're in you're in the gutter. Yeah. Um and that's why for me, Corey Hall, as fun as it was, as much as I appreciate everything he's done to the program post Gary Anderson, that's why I was like, Yeah, no, I'm I'm not hauling like everybody else. No, I know. We had Keith Hayward on our show, and I you know what I'm actually gonna do? I'm gonna put the Keith Hayward interview at the end of this podcast. So we'll we'll get through everything we wanna get through on the pod, and then you can stick around for ten extra minutes and listen to Keith Hayward. He was on my radio yeah, show. I still
2: think he would be a great, great hire.
0: So he played very coach-speak, so in the interview, he's not going to give you a ton because he knows he can't. He kind of is coy, and you can get a sense. I believe you can get a sense of somebody that has interest in Oregon State. This is the devastating part, and spoil, spoiler alert on this. At the very end of the interview, he, yeah, yeah, he gives you a go-ducks. That one hurt a little bit because you're like, ah, dude setting you up on some Beaver stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I get it. He, he works for him. He, they're the ones paying his mortgage, his bills right now, right? Um, But Hayward is a DC, you know. And you mentioned getting an African-American coach. If there's a head coach candidate, great. I just want the most qualified person. I don't care if they're bright blue, if they're a woman. Most qualified person, go get it. But if you put an African-American in a prominent role as a defensive coordinator, sure, I'm with you. I think it's important to have – Some diversity there. It's it's good because it's important to go get some recruits that maybe don't give Corvallis a chance. You know, Corey Hall, for an example. Uh, You mentioned Ken Ken Niamatololo. Whatever that may be, I'm with you there. Like, mix it up, and chances are they will. Mix it up. Don't just have stale white guy there. And go get some new faces that normally wouldn't give uh, Corvallis a chance. That's my two cents so on it. So I that.
2: I, don't, I don't I don't have anything to break, sorry.
0: Damn it. Oh. Shucks.
1: Come
2: on. I know. I was
1: ready to I was ready to get excited about Ken Norton Jr.
2: Yeah, well, we'll see. I so know. I it was, happened, but we were at the airport, Corvallis airport, but none of those guys got off the plane.
0: Oh. It's like a, so it's just a rich guy from Oakland. I guess. <laughs> you know what? You know what actually would be great? Uh, one year, Angie, and this will probably happen after I get fired because you know media. But what? Because you don't break enough news. <laughs> it would be fun to pair up with you, Angie, and then like if there's another hire, you send a reporter to go see who's on the jet. And then, if it's not a coach, I come in with a camera and I go, What do you do for a living? <laughs> yeah. Why Why are you flying into Corvallis, Oregon? That should be a
1: whole thing that. Uh,
2: Inside edition.
1: Yeah, that should be a thing that you could just do nationally when there's ever a coaching search is yes. find out the guys they thought were the head coach. Well,
0: think about all, try to think of the most obscure towns like Corvallis, and then you set up two different reporters there. One that's ready for legitimately an interview or at least to report that so and so's there, or two. Why did you fly into this town? I want to know what you're doing in Oakland to go to Corvallis, Oregon. Are you a donor? Like, what's the deal there? So, all right, well, no news. Um, no news right now. But uh, it presses on, what have you made? So Kerry Ager's had a thing in his, his column a few weeks ago or a week ago when um, I think I believe – I'm not quoting verbatim, but I believe he had basically insinuated that June Jones was a candidate. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. And then a lot of people were like, dude, no way. I don't like June Jones. No way. No thanks. And Kerry, you know, went back at a couple other people. Why not? And then he wrote his last column that June Jones is not a candidate. So I think it just kind of speaks to this coaching search of like what people are hearing and what to believe. He does say that the tire is going to be made. The latest is by December 3rd is his date. Angie's saying that she's hearing that it's already a done deal, but contract negotiations, timing of certain things, maybe still playing a factor. Uh, I'm going to go on a limb, and it's not a a big limb. I think the decision will be announced um, this weekend, and whether that's following certain games or right before games, I think we're going to find out this weekend because after games, Do you mean the Civil War? (laughs) No, I'm, oh, okay, I'm, no okay. I'm talking about other college football oh, okay. Yeah, oh, Cal, I see. Cal, plays Friday. Cal Yeah, Cal plays Friday. Like I think we're going to get this before conference championship week. And, and date-wise, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah, but totally. I think they're going to make the announcement.
1: I just had a weird visual of them like right before the Civil War announcing, yeah. and I was like, well, that might be a
0: distraction. I don't know.
2: <laughs> Your next coach is Mike Ditka. Yeah. <laughs>
0: oh, <laughs> Go I'm, play. No, I'm, I'm please. Good. I'm no. good on that. It would be cool to see him, though. Like hey, I met Mike Ditka. I had him on my radio show, or but uh, then after that, I'm like, yeah, you, you don't probably know what you're doing anymore. Um, when would the best time, in your opinion, be, Angie, for an announcement like this?
2: I think right after Civil War, get the, the team after the after the loss or the win, whatever it happens to be, either capitalize on the momentum or flip the momentum.
1: Yeah, that makes sense to me. So you, know, you get the
2: boosters. Excited, either like I said, either carrying on from a Civil War win or changing the narrative and taking it away from the Civil War loss and the season to the excitement of what's coming.
0: So, that I mean, the Civil War starts at 4. That game could end reasonably. It could end at 7. You'd be okay with like a 7.30 announcement or something?
2: Yeah, or even a Sunday morning.
0: Sunday morning, yeah. I think a Sunday morning would make a ton of sense. I'm excited. Here. This
1: feels like Christmas is coming early.
2: Look, It is.
0: If there's anything I learned, and, and not to harken back to the beginning, but if there's anything I learned, I think people are just generally interested, in, we're seeing the numbers, so thank you, everybody, on the podcast. But this, this, is a, this is a huge time. I know this program's at a low point, and so there's not a lot to talk about with the actual team, but this is an exciting time, I think, for a lot of fans of this is the future. What does the future mean? Um, where would you say the Beaver Blitz message board is at right now with people?
2: Oh, it's it's so busy right now. I have, I mentioned the water cooler thread, which is, seriously, rumors. I mean, I've seen people say, oh, Angie Machado keeps throwing babes out. Well, we do fed them somewhat, but that's what the whole purpose of that thread is, right? So um, people are like, I, I keep refreshing. I keep refreshing. What's what's, what's the latest? So. Well,
0: and I want to give you credit, too. I saw a thing from Football Scoop, which is actually a really good follow for uh, coaching nuggets and college football information on Twitter at Football Scoop. They they said they took the Carrie article and they said, "Hey, three confirmed interviews: Baldwin, Smith, and Hall." And uh, you won't say anything, Angie, and that's fine. And you know, I still trust Kerry I like Carrie a lot. But you were you told us this on the podcast last week that that you had confirmed those were the, they had done three interviews, and that's who it was.
2: Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's part of my world, though, right? I I want the subscribers of Beaver Blitz to have the info.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's the cool part about your website is it's community and you share the information and sometimes that information goes more broad and sometimes other people pick up on it and take it or some people will be informed a little later than you and, and find out and report it themselves.
2: So, yeah, I mean, it's not like, I mean, that was pretty easy to find out those guys interviewed, but uh, my my job is to try to get that info to Beaver Blitz members as soon as I can.
0: Yeah. Um is there anything else we want to touch on with the coaching hire update? No, I mean for no.
1: like for me at this point, I'm just kind of sitting back like a kid at Christmas and just waiting to see what's under the tree. Like, you know, I don't, I'm not gonna get too like, you know, like I said a few weeks ago, I was like, oh, I think I think Cory Corey Hall might be the guy. And then I like, Joel Klatt was on with Dusty and Cam, and he was like, I heard Kenny and could be in the running. And I was like, ooh, I started licking my chops. And, <laughs> and now I'm just like, you know what? Let me not get let me not get too excited or let me just keep my expectations blank and just see what happens. Cause we're probably like less than a week away from the announcement.
0: All right. So I want to do a couple of things before we move on from the coaching stuff. I want one, all of us to answer the question, two questions. The first question, I'm gonna start with you, Angie, the coaching hire that leaves you least excited.
2: Jonathan
0: Smith. Uh, I'll go with,
1: it's a battle between Dennis Erickson and June Jones. Least excited for Dennis. You just said Dennis. Or, you just went
0: into a whole diatribe about I how... Know, they- I know, I <laughs>
1: know. But let me just... But oh, like, I want a movie to be made of Dennis do, but, Erickson. Okay, fine, fine. I, you're, I'm wrong. Uh, then June Jones. I was just thinking about... Just in my head now, I was thinking about what I really want. And I think that... Um, I guess there would be excitement with the Dennis Erickson potential of what you said, Angie, of, like, bringing in the Jonathan Smith waiting in the wings kind of a thing. Like, that excites me. But, like... Just the thought of a really old head coach trying to put together a staff when, that, like you said, Brandon, this is a huge hire for the future of the university leaves me not super pumped. I'd rather have a guy with youth on his side or skewing towards youth. So June Jones for you. It would be my –
0: yeah, that would, that would get me the least excited. And mine will be Corey Hall. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, so answer this question, and then we're going to move on because I actually have something else I want to bring up in regards to the Civil War and this football team. What's the prediction? What's the final damn podcast prediction? We're heading into Thanksgiving, so, you know, it's going to be a great holiday. we got the Civil War football game. You heard it here on the podcast, and it's nothing groundbreaking, but we all kind of agree that a decision is going to be made by the weekend. What's the prediction? It's okay if we're wrong. I'm sure Angie has no problem saying a name and then reporting. Sources are saying it's this guy and, and being wrong. But what's our final prediction? Who do they hire with this job? My,
1: my prediction, um, which also doesn't excite me very much, is Bronco Mendenhall.
0: Wow. Comes out of the dark, denies the statements, and then comes out and takes That's the That's my prediction because okay. because
1: uh, of the – okay, so I consider him like a pretty – this is all – you know, there's so much speculation, but I consider him yeah. like a pretty viable candidate, right? Like he had to come out and deny the rumors, so maybe the rumors had some oh, – he's got the ties. Yeah. And so uh, – M- I would consider, like, in my mind, uh, this is not Beaver Blitz. This is just Alex Crawford's mind. I would consider, like, Bo Baldwin, Jonathan Smith, and uh, Bronco Mendenhall maybe to be the top three most legit candidates. I don't want top
0: three. I want your prediction. I know, no, but I'm saying
1: out of those top three, the one that excites me the least is Bronco Mendenhall. So, therefore, I'm going to make him as my prediction. (laughs) because the Beavs let me down time after time. So I, as of the most legit choices, Bronco Mendenhall is probably the one that would get hired and kind of leave me disappointed. Okay, Angie. And
2: Eric Crawford is back with the Beaver defeatist mentality. <laughs> that is,
1: I know, that is so Beaver defeatist, but that's going to be my prediction.
2: Okay, my prediction. Oh God, see, yesterday I would have said Bronco. It's hard. And then today I'm kind of like the Ken Norton.
0: Wow. Yeah, you. Really, I got to give you credit on this, and and you might be wrong, and that's fine. You're really on the Ken Norton train, and I, I'm. I,
2: and I'm not saying I want him.
0: Yeah, I you th- just think he, it I makes know sense. He was on
2: the list early. Uh huh. I, I just I, I've heard that President Ray would like to have a minority, or he likes that idea. Uh huh. Um, I I don't know.
0: Um, I I, I just want to. I'm going to pay you a compliment. I know we agree too much on this podcast for some people, and. They think I'm I'm too nice. You're too nice to Angie. You need to be more aggressive towards Angie. It's because she's a woman. Like, no, just pay a compliment. I'll pay you one compliment, okay? And then I won't pay okay. you on the rest of this podcast. <laughs> to know who is on their shortlist, you have to be incredibly plugged in. So kudos to you. Because you have a search firm and you have an AD who doesn't want anybody in his building to know who he's talking to. So kudos to you on that. That's hey, all thanks. that's all I'm gonna say. Um. All right, so you're going to go Ken Norton. I like that, oh.
1: actually, by the way. I like the Ken Norton. Really?
0: Because yeah, I hadn't... What is he? He's like 50, right? Ken Norton Jr. I think Jr. he's a young 50. I will tell you. He, he was, was one of my favorite linebackers for the Niners. I know he's a cowboy, too, but I love him on the He's 51. Niners. Yeah. His yeah. dad was the famous boxer, of course, but...
1: He coached at SC04-08 to 08 as a linebackers coach, then 09, then Seahawks, then Raiders. I
0: like that. Mm-hmm. L.A. ties. He's also being blamed for the Raiders' crappy season, even though they ran out the... Musgrave who was killing it with Derek Carr last year. Yeah, the Raiders have a lot of issues this year. I like that. I would like that, Angie. I hope you're right. Okay. So okay. Norton Mendenhall, and my prediction's not gonna surprise anybody. And uh, I know I did my odds a few weeks ago. I- I'm actually I'm gonna say that it's Bo Baldwin. Okay. I think they're gonna go Bo Baldwin and I think he's gonna hire as a young coach. I think he's gonna have a staff and we're gonna walk away going, That's that's a good staff. Like okay. we're gonna be happy with the staff. Okay. Okay. I like Good. that. Awesome. Okay. I like your guys' worlds more than mine. I don't
1: like my world <laughs> with Bronco men and a milk toast staff.
0: <laughs> All right. So I want to – we didn't do damn questions this week, but I want to address one thing that I – somebody tweeted, both of us, Angie, um, and it kind of just it, – it goes back to something we've brought up a little bit on this podcast, but I just want to answer it real quick before we move on. He basically uh, – this listener – says many among Beaver Nation are not convinced that OSU is serious about winning. Is this true? Why or why not? Go, real quick, all three of us, real quick.
2: You know, and I think it goes back and this has been a big conversation in the lodge. We've talked about on the pod, and it's about the money that they allocate to football. And you know, I mean, right now, I think it's 18% of the entire athletic department budget goes to football where the at Pac12 average is like 23 to 25 million. The Beavers need to get serious and reallocate funds toward football.
0: Do you think they're and in? And then
2: we'll see oh yeah, go ahead. if they're serious
1: or not. Okay. I think that's a very good data-based answer because I didn't really know about that spending stuff until you brought it to our attention on the podcast. When you told me that, I was like, hmm, okay. Yeah, because my initial reaction to that question is, well, of course they're serious. Like, you know, they're of course they want to win. Like, I, you know, I've talked with Scott Barnes, and I've been around the team, and you've been around the team, both of you, like – you know that there's the coaches want to win. Obviously, like they don't have the defeatist mentality of a lot of us fans. Uh, but then you bring up the, the the numbers and the money, and it's like, okay, well, you do have to put your money where your mouth is at some point.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, I think it's going to be about the spending, and I actually think the salary is going to tell us the answer to this. Um, and, and I don't, really don't care who it is—experienced head coach, uh, new first-time head coach. I think if you pay a guy three million flat, I think it tells us that you're in. And I think we're going to find out even more with the staff. If you're willing to pay staff members decent contracts, and I know you're not going to get up to some of these astronomical levels, but it's going to make me feel better about where they are. I do think they're in. I I do. I I don't think this is – if you've met Scott Barnes, you guys both have. Um, I actually haven't had that pleasure yet. But the vibe I get from Barnes is – he's a good guy, but he's a very serious guy and what he does for his job. And I don't think this is a hire he's taking lightly and whether he's going to parlay this gig into moving on, which we've seen from previous ADs. I feel like he understands how much pressure this, this hire has. This is his legacy. This is Scott Barnes came to Oregon state. And you remember when he brought in blah, blah, blah. And then they took off and had a good, a good run. That's how he'll be remembered with Oregon state. Some guys care about that. Some guys don't. I'm just going off a of vibe. I get, I feel that Barnes does. So, to answer that question in a long way, I do think that Oregon State is in on football. Um, but Angie's Angie's 100% right with the, it's about the spending. When you show us the money, that's when we know 100% that you're in.
2: But that goes right back to salaries, though, too. I mean, that's that's everything. And so, I mean, I agree. But if you bring in a Bo Baldwin, pay him a little less instead of making it an incentive late, laden in contract, and then give him more money to pay assistance
0: yeah that's a good point maybe he's willing to take two five and now you can go hire an oc dc or whatever you want eight hundred nine hundred thousand dollars and get close to a million
2: and then and you say you're at two five but you win eight games you get an extra 250 and you win 10 games you get
0: you'll make three million yeah 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 completely agree with that um okay one final thing to get to on the uh, the podcast before we get to the uh, the Keith Hayward interview that I'm gonna put at the end here, um, who was on my radio show. This could be Ryan Nall's last game. Yes. Yep.
2: I, I have pretty good sources saying that he may be going to Stanford.
0: Oh um, wait, what? Did he get grad transfer, huh? A yeah, that, transfer. he got through it, that's true. That actually I mean, if he doesn't go to the NFL and he wants to... That makes know, sense. I mean, it does. It makes a ton of sense. Also, if you could get a little Stanford education on your way out. Not bad to yeah. get a master's from or a graduate degree from Stanford. Yeah. Right? Well, because who's going to be there back next year? Scarlett? I think Null's better his than His buddy. They were teammates. That sounds fun. I mean... Yeah. And we know they just... You plug and play there. I mean, look at Bryce Love. Because yeah. he's gone. And,
2: you know, his best friend was Marcus McMarion.
0: Yeah. Left. God. Son of a.
2: Sorry, I'm like the no, bearer of no. I know, position. I know. I just
3: uh,
1: today I was looking at McMarion's Fresno State stats at quarterback. He's actually having a, a good. Year and I'm
0: yet. just like, dude. I know. Yeah, just is As... Tedford officially dead in that search? By the way. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I forgot he was, a... I was.
2: I was actually going to. I was going to bring that up. Just that's another like dark horse in my, my mind.
0: I mean, he's got that relationship. I, I would never say never to that.
2: And I've heard his name a few times.
0: Can McMarion regrad transfer back? Under Tedford? <laughs> yeah, can you go for, like, a doctorate? After you get a master's, you get a doctorate? Marcus McMarion, Ph.D. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Dr. McMarion. Um, yeah, I know the McMahon's up So, w- where would you... So, higher odds he goes to Stanford or the NFL? Stanford. Wow. Good. You know what? It, it. I know some fans, that would rub them the wrong way because they're in the North and you play them. I actually would be happy for the kid. I, I think he has given a lot in three years... Um, some games, absolutely, you walk away and you just get frustrated, but he is too. I mean, this team's been inconsistent yeah. since he's been here. So I've loved watching him play. I really have. All right, well, no thoughts anyway, so that's uh, <laughs> no big deal. Um, yeah, no, I was just thinking about that because I'm going to be at the Civil War and I'm going to be watching him, and even if they're getting killed, I'm just going to be sitting there. I'm like, dude, this, this could be the last time I get to watch him play in a BV uniform. And I don't take any of these great players that we see – whether the team's good or not, I don't like to take them for granted. I loved watching James play, even in his last year, and he wasn't the same James that we saw. Quiz, you kind of got to feel by the end this might be it. The way the program was going, um, Sean Mannion, Brandon Cooks, like you just you get these great Jordan Poyer, you get these players you don't want to take them for granted that you got to see him play.
1: Uh, for me, Ryan Nall represents a, a true bright spot in a very dark era of Beaver football. I was, a, yes. I was a child. I was like a very small child in the 90s, so I don't really remember how bad the Beavs were then. Right. And then I was in the 2000s when I was a Beaver fan growing up. I was like, hey, this is fun. Bowl games. Got to go to some bowl games and stuff and lots of good times. And then at Oregon State when I was there, you know, we had Jaquiz, we had Sean Mannion, James Rogers, you just said. And then the Beavs just started sucking. And so Sammy Ryan Nall Ryan oh, is a guy that yeah. I've always been able to be prideful of a, as a fan and say, hey. That's our running back, Ryan Nall. Yeah. So I'll I will miss Ryan Nall. It's uh he's been really, really fun to watch. Yeah. Absolutely. But
2: the Beavers can see Thomas Tyner back. So oh, is that
0: feeling more and more likely or is it still it is. kinda up in the air? It is. Really?
2: Yes. I That's wa- cool.
0: I wonder what the reaction's gonna be when he gets the first carry in Austin. If I was if I was I Corey Hall, I'm not kidding. He would be the guy that gets the first carry in that game. I'd make the announcer say his name right away so he gets Something. I don't know if he gets an ovation they care or not, but... Duck student section fans aren't smart enough to know.
2: No, they wouldn't even figure it out.
0: Well, they show up late, too. That's they, my Civil War week dig. Well, and... I, I don't think they would... I don't think they would remember. I, I want to say this. I want to put it out for the people interested in maybe going to the game. And I know some people don't like to travel to Eugene. I, I get that. Um, for those maybe interested and you're on the fence, tickets dropped like $30 after they got boat raced by ASU. I was going to buy tickets at $85, counting tax... Uh I got them at like 57. They dropped nice. drastically. And it's basically the same thing. What are you are you the guy outside Otsen right now with the I need tickets. I need no, tickets. No. Is that you you're trying to sell some tickets on no, the show? No, I'm not I'm not okay. working for anybody. I got no plug Okay, none of that, none of that. Uh is there anything else we want to cover before we play the Keith Hayward interview? No. I feel like I, Angie, I feel I, like I you've been little, here but funny... you've also been really in tune with this coaching hire throughout the podcast.
2: I'm I'm trying to keep you guys updated here. <laughs> Okay. I do have a fun, a fun little little tidbit. So I've been reaching out to former players to get their prediction for Civil War. Uh huh. And every single one of them. I mean, I've I've heard from Michael Doctor and, and James and Quiz and you know Brandon Cooks. They're all picking the Beavers. And I get a text back from James Dockery, and he says, "Am I supposed to be honest?" <laughs> and I said, "You can be. Yes, please be honest. But I'll just tell you, all your teammates are picking the Beavers to win." And he said. All right, then here's my score, and it was like they're gonna uh, block a kick and, and end up winning by three.
1: That's happened before, actually.
2: It has. Yeah,
0: um, I love the optimism. That's not gonna happen. Are, sh- are we making predictions to wrap things up? Do we need to? Can we? Sure. Y-
2: you want to?
1: I don't know. I'm more excited about the game than you guys are. I don't. I know. bought tickets. I'm going to the game. Okay.
0: Well, I'm not, but that's for other reasons.
2: I think the Beavs lose by twenty.
0: Ooh, that would actually help me because I got a bet, and the loser has to grow a mullet for next year. <laughs> that's good. So I'd greatly appreciate that. Who's cost. it with? Dirt. Oh, okay. My that's coast. a great. That's great. He's got to wear chillier outfit. He's lost two last two years. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll go Oregon. I think Oregon's going to remember last year and open it up early. I'll say Oregon forty-three, Oregon State twenty.
1: Okay, so the Beavs cover the spread in your world.
0: That wouldn't be the spread. I'm not getting the line. Oh, you're, oh. I'm okay. getting the so you line. So you're going
1: to have a mullet.
0: Yeah, probably. I'll have a mullet by this time next year.
1: Yeah, I guess I got to be realistic. I do think the Ducks will win, uh, but I'll go uh, Ducks 38, beeves 20.
2: Oh, only my, 40 42-20. Wow. 42, 20, 42
0: 20, yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah, 42-20. Yeah, something like that kind of sounds right. Um, yeah, but hopefully it's not too bad. Uh, what's the best side of Thanksgiving. I gotta ask a cliche question before we wrap this up. Hmm. So uh, you have turkey on your plate. Let's say you get our dinner roll. Let just to be fair, what's the first side you go to scoop up next to the turkey? I just like to mash them all together, you know. Oh yeah, for sure. But what's the first one?
1: I like the like uh,
0: yams. The first one says that you don't want to miss out on it.
1: Yams or sweet potatoes with like like a little melty marshmallow action on top. Big fan of that. Okay. That's a big one for me. hmm I'm making that. Yeah, I uh, like that.
2: I don't know. Probably mashed potatoes.
1: Yeah. yeah. I kind of like to mix some mashed potatoes and stuffing and then drizzle a little cranberry. Ooh, with the gravy Ooh. on it. Yeah, just kind of make a whole just like totally Honestly, down. just let's put it all in a blender. <laughs>
3: <laughs> just <laughs> just some, it. I'm just
1: kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Shake.
0: Yeah. I yeah, I love the whole thing. Oh I man. A, I got a little secret for you. So I have a um the way that I go when I do this. I put stuffing first. I love stuffing. I put stuffing.
2: You know, I never, I never use like stuffing, and all of a sudden, I love it.
1: Oh, it's so damn it good. It did. I actually was, I was with you, Angie. I was always like, stuffing, get the heck right. out of here. Yeah. Now I'm like, okay, stuffing, I see you. Yeah. I see you, stuffing, yeah. and that celery and that
0: bread. <laughs> yeah, I no. see you. Yeah. Was, pfft. So my life's changed. I'm, you're going to eat like eight plates, right? Everybody is. Sure. Do this on one of your plates. Okay. Get your stuffing. turkey. Go to stuffing next. Okay. And then on top of the stuffing, bury it in mashed potatoes. Okay. Then put the cranberries in. Then blend it together, and then put gravy on top. That's the process you have to follow. And I'm telling you, it's better it than my life. Yes, change your life. Okay. Change your life. And by the way, candied yams are the best. So good.
2: I've never had them.
0: Oh. My
2: grandma used to make those. All I I don't know. I'm not a huge Thanksgiving food fan. What? I know, it's fine. Well, we eat it
0: once a year. I love it.
2: But but I you know my I'm with I'm going to spend Thanksgiving with a girlfriend and her family this this year and she said I'm making green bean casserole. And I I'm like is that the one with those little crunchy onions? And she's like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Oh, I haven't had that since I was a kid." Yum.
0: Ooh, hot take. I don't like green bean casserole. There you go. Because it has, uh, I believe they usually use mushrooms in it, right? Mushrooms are in green bean casserole? I think so. I don't know.
2: I don't like mushrooms, but.
0: Ah, be prepared. There might be mushrooms okay. in that, Angie.
2: Okay, I'll have to watch.
0: Okay. I'm um... helping to
2: cook. So I just want not put the mushrooms in it.
0: <laughs> there you go. Uh, anything else we want to talk about, or are we at the end here?
2: No, I mean, cut it? I, all I'm going to do is plug Beaver Blitz because okay. if you guys want to keep up with the latest, it's twelve ninety five a month. Join us.
0: Okay, all right, I like it. You get the latest coaching search news. Give Angie a follow on Twitter as well at Angie Machado. One real reporter, yeah, real report, (laughs) giving us the facts.
2: Digging enough, obviously.
0: You're not fake news, Sprague. Um, Crawford is at Doctor underscore Croff, and I'm at Brandon Sprague. Thank you to everybody that's been listening. We greatly appreciate it. The numbers have been fantastic. We're hanging in there, and uh, you guys have a happy Thanksgiving. Have a safe Black Friday. Go shop local on the 29th. And uh, hopefully by the next podcast next week, we have a coaching hire to discuss. Hey, thanks for
1: letting me come back
0: on again. By the way, thank you for joining us.
1: We
2: appreciate. <laughs> yeah, I
0: appreciate you guys having me on. Your presence is a Are you present.
2: Joining us next week. I Ooh. don't. I don't
0: know. Brandon wants that. Crawford might like beg if we have a coach to talk about. Okay, it. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. Okay, uh, we'll talk to okay. you guys next week. Angie, happy Thanksgiving.
2: You too. Happy Thanksgiving, guys.
0: Absolutely, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week for another edition of the Damn Podcast. Here is the interview. That we did with Keith Hayward, who is rumored to be a potential coaching candidate in Corvallis. He's now the safeties coach at Oregon. He joined our radio show uh, on Monday, and here is that interview. We'll talk to you guys next week. We thought it'd be fun uh, to invite our guest who's joining us now on this week the safeties coach for the Oregon Ducks and former Oregon State Beaver player slash coach himself, Keith Hayward. He's on Twitter at Coach Hayward. And he joins us now. It's it's great to have you on with us in Portland, Coach. Um, congrats on a really impressive game against Arizona. But it's Civil War week. And, and I want to start with a question dating back to the beginning of the year. You get hired by Willie Taggart. The first time you had to put on the green and yellow, was there a part of you that was like, oh, this is difficult?
4: <laughs> um, <laughs> no, not at all, to be honest. You know, I was excited to be back here on the West Coast. Um. Where I was at Louisville last year um, and you know my wife is a is a duck so uh, she always had the green and yellow around and and uh, no it was exciting to be honest
3: you know it's been fun to watch the, the defense and especially the secondary all year this year in Eugene how, how stressful was it early in the year watching so many youngsters go out there and play and and how impressed have you been you know by the growth of guys like Graham and, and Lenore and how much better they've gotten as the year has gone on
4: You know, it wasn't stressful at all. You know, uh, I think the guys had a a really good spring. And as we went through fall camp, um, guys competed well. Um, And um, I knew exactly, or I should say we as a staff knew exactly, you know, what guys could and couldn't do. And and I think uh, we do a a good job as a defensive staff of making sure we put guys in position. Um, But, uh, you know, yeah, there was a little bit of just nervousness, you Mm -hmm. know, just, you know, because some of them were young, you know, with uh, the Amador and Nick Pickett uh Thomas Graham, um, Billy Gibson, all those guys are you know they 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 just fresh out of high school, <laughs> right. um, but they play well um i'm ex- I'm excited for all the growth and development that they had all season, and um here it is it' all coming to a head here at the Civil War.
0: yeah, we're talking with Oregon defensive coach Keith Hayward on Twitter at Coach Hayward. They're getting ready for Oregon State this week in Eugene. um so you guys get in there, you you get your staff assembled. you talked about hitting the ground running and trying to get these kids some of them that are coming back turned around and then getting the youngsters kind of familiar with the system and and what you want them to do. But a big part of what you guys have accomplished thus far. And I know there's only so much you can talk about is the recruiting element. And a lot of people have noticed that what's that pitch. What's the pitch been like for you being in Eugene when you get there and they're coming off a four win season to where it is right now.
4: Um, you you just gotta, you know, you gotta, you're kind of really just, uh, selling yourself and the program, uh, creating that trust. I mean, um, a lot of these kids, their dream has been, you know, to play for the Oregon Ducks. Um, Because when you talk to a lot of these kids, that's what they tell you, like, oh, that's my dream school. Um, Then we have such a great staff um, and the vision that Coach Taggart, you know, what he wants us to uh, communicate to these young men, we communicate that. And, um, you know, we go out there and then they see the uh, enthusiasm that we have and if they're able to come to our practice – See the practice of the spring uh, spring game. They can see the environment and the culture that we have. Um, so all of that has um, been good, and, and, and being able to being able to uh, um, you know make sure that you know we can get some of these kids. So it's been it's been really fun, and um, uh, it's exciting. You know, I mean, we still got some pieces, key pieces that we're still trying to add. Um, but it's going to get better and better.
3: You know, a, a two-parter for you, Coach. Justin Herbert comes back this week and obviously had a big game. Offense is back to square. I think you guys scored 34 points in all the games that he missed. Now you go for 48 in his first game back. So how nice was it to have number 10 back there? And then did it just feel like, not, not that anything was missing from an emotional standpoint, but it just, did it feel like there was kind of a new life on that sideline having your quarterback back there this weekend?
4: Um, yeah, you know, I mean, Justin is obviously a, a big key you know to our our offense and and as you see is a big key to our team um so as you can imagine that that provided a, a great confidence boost to um everyone um and it was exciting to see him out there especially with uh his one of his first big plays coming with his legs especially against the guy who we were playing against um, um and then, uh, i mean that that's exciting you know um and then you know it even even throughout when he was he was injured i mean i still feel like burmeister did a good job man he's a freshman um uh and it was a mid-year and he came in and that's tough to do he, we went on the road versus uh stanford uh washington and ucla and those aren't those aren't easy environments to play in um so he did a he did a good job and we just you know we're, we're happy to have herbert back and and uh, could continue to develop um, Burmeister and I mean, that just could show everybody has to play. And if anything that, you know, all the young players and even some of the incoming guys who in freshmen who think that they're going to come in here and play, it's tough to do. Um, and you know, you have to prepare yourself and, and, and be ready for that. But it's not as easy as some of these young men think.
0: Yeah. This is uh, Keith Hayward. He's joining us now, Oregon ducks, uh secondaries coach uh, joining us, uh, getting ready for the civil war. Have you uh, have you become addicted to Pepsi yet?
4: <laughs> no, I'm not a, I'm not a soda drinker. I don't drink a lot of pop. <laughs> I will say I, I have one here and there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you're, you're kind of like I think uh, that's what I do. I have one every once in a while for All the most right. part. I don't drink it. What's it like to work with Jim Levitt? What's it just taking in what he has brought into Eugene inside those offices?
4: Oh man, he's a, he's very smart. Uh, Very, very smart and and intense and, you know, gets right down to it. Um, I enjoy, you know, coaching with him and learning from him. Um, You know, he he, he loves the players. And, I mean, he spends a lot of hours in here, as we all do, um, getting these guys ready. And I I think he's very diligent and studying the offense. And, um, I mean, I'm just blessed to be an opportunity to, to, to learn from him.
3: You know, take me behind the scenes, coach, of of the game plan this past weekend, because Khalil Tate came in. He was, I mean, he was like a Heisman candidate after only playing five or six games. He was running all over everybody. Their offense was unstoppable. And you guys in your defensive group, you hold him to 28 points. He only had 32 rushing yards. What went into the game plan, and and how were you guys able to slow down that Arizona offense?
4: I mean, just simple. You watch the film, and you you see him running over, uh, around, and, and through everybody, and and pretty much, I mean, just as it should be in any game plan, you know, you, you, you want to take away what a team does best and try to make them go do something else, and, and that's what we did. It's a testament to the kids for executing the plays and executing the plan um, on all three phases. Um, but uh, Khalil Tate is special. He's going to continue to be special. And, um, I mean, I'm just I'm just proud of our young men who went out there and you know, we had a bye week to prepare as, as coaches were, you know, trying to figure out what the best plan was. But when it came down to it on Saturday, um, they did everything to uh, make sure that we won that game and got bowl eligible and, and continue to play for the seniors.
0: You know, Keith, you were you were in Corvallis at a very special time. Uh, and I know you're locked into the season. You're getting ready for players like Khalil Tate. But there's got to be a part of you that that's seen, observed, slash heard what's been going on. What do you make of just the current state in Corvallis right now?
4: I don't know. You know, that's, that's none of my business. Um, I'm here in Eugene and the only thing I, in my control is to make sure that my players, uh, play well, you know, and in, in, within the safety group and, and, um, you know, on Saturday, it'll be my business to make sure that Oregon comes up with the W, and that's all I could say.
3: You know, you guys are going into this Civil War coach, and I know you weren't there last year, but uh, Oregon had a long streak in this game that was uh, snapped last year in Corvallis. And I know you guys use that a little bit against Washington, the 70 points is kind of a message of, you know, how are you going to respond to it? Is that going to be a, a motivating factor of reminding guys of what happened last year in the Civil War?
4: Well, you know, you always try to find cause to uh, motivate your guys. Um, to get them to play and um you know there's a lot of motion surrounded around this game um, i think the players are going to be ready to play themselves i mean you know and i'm sure they're going to be aware of that um that they they lost last year and um, but you know the players get themselves ready. This is this is a big time game. It's the in-state rivalry, the civil war, and um, I know that they're going to be ready to play.
0: Is there a timeline for a coach? And when you're involved in that world, is there a timeline where you you just instinctively know I'm ready to take another step as a coach? Or you know, I'm just curious how that works in your realm.
4: Um, you know, you never know when opportunities are going to come. You know uh no different than the players playing on the film you have to always stay ready so um i'm just excited about this week's game and and uh you know one last home opportunity for the, the ducks to showcase what we can do and what we're about in the civil war and then and after we uh play this game then we get ready and see where they want us to play in a bowl. But that's all. I just want to make sure our players play well and uh, just stay focused on that. All that other stuff I can't control. Yeah. You you
3: know, you're one of the unique guys on this staff that has playing experience in this rivalry game, which I think is fun when you
4: have coaches that are then involved with it.
3: Any memories that stick out in your mind from playing in the Civil War?
4: Oh, of course. I mean, my my very first true freshman year, um, I – Uh, uh, Patrick Johnson burned me for 90 yards. Uh, (laughs) And then uh, my sophomore year, we had the uh, double overtime game there at Corvallis. And then uh, my junior year, um, I believe it was uh, Ruben Drones ran all over us. Mm -hmm. And then uh, my senior year, you know, um, we had to show Joey Harrington what the Beavers are all about. (laughs) Joey five picks, baby. Yeah, so it was back and forth. um, And it, it, it was fun. It was fun, so... Um, it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a great game. Um, I know Oregon State's going to come out and they're going to be physical. And like I said, it's going to be a lot of emotion surrounding this game and our and our players here. Or Oregon, the Ducks are going to be ready to play. Um, so it's going to be an electric atmosphere, and I'm excited for everybody. Everybody.
0: Should there be a trophy for this game? Like, I feel like there hasn't been one. Like, what's going on here?
4: I don't know. Why hasn't there? I mean, who, who comes up with that? (laughs) I don't know.
0: There needs to be like a platypus trophy of some sort, like a mix between the duck
4: beaver, a a platypus. (laughs) Yeah. I
0: feel like you have the power within those offices, Keith, to get this going. You guys could create one, put a little swoosh on it. I think it would make a ton of sense.
4: Uh, Maybe. Yeah. That's, that's, that's way beyond me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm only in control of such a small part. I mean, maybe the fans or somebody can create something, and, and do something like that. Um, maybe, yeah, that, that would be kind of cool. It'd be cool.
0: All right, get you out of here on this one, Keith, because I know you got to go and watch some film. Is it, is it flattering to have your name thrown out there in the old Oregon State coaching search and just have you be involved with a lot of these rumors?
4: Uh, I don't, I haven't heard anything. I haven't talked to anybody. Um, you know, uh, I just, like I said, I'm just focused on what we're doing and trying to accomplish here. So um, it's going to be a good game on Saturday and, you know, just looking forward to it.
0: All right, there we go. Oregon safeties coach Keith Hayward. He's on Twitter, at Coach Hayward, getting ready for the Civil War as the Oregon Ducks are now 6-5. and five. Good luck this weekend, Coach, and uh, rock your Oregon State boxers underneath all that green and yellow, okay?
4: Go duck. <laughs>